This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Communication with loved ones in spirit is sometimes the only healing a person needs. Valeria Tejas interviews Essie Kikmajiglu, the author of Face to Face with Spirit, an architect's journey of discovery. As an architect and urban designer, Essie has been involved in projects in 12 different countries, traveled widely, and had a very busy life. She was introduced to the world of spirit in 1987 in a spiritual seance, but it was not until the year 2000 when she found out about spiritualism and that there are over 600 spiritual churches and centers in the UK. She loves learning, but never kept a diary in her life until she discovered the world of spirit. When she started her own spiritual development in 2000 and amazed with the new experiences, she started taking notes, which later helped her put the book together. Once she started, new doors kept opening. At each stage, her scientific and logical mind had to be satisfied with the good evidence to convince her that it was not her wild imagination before stepping into yet another new experience. And none of it was planned by her either. Essie is a qualified and an award-winning architect and urban designer with over 40 years of experience worldwide. Brought up in a family of scientists and artists, She was first introduced to the world of spirit in 1987 through Avicenna, a well-known scholar, starting a most amazing journey, which also led her to become a spiritual medium, healer and artist, followed by past life regression therapist, a clinical hypnotherapist in early 2000s, and finally an author. Meet Essie at essie-idc.uk. Here is the interview with Essie Kekmejiglu. In your own words, who is Essie Chakimachiolo? Wow, I could answer you in so many different ways. I have titles after my name, which is getting longer and longer. Or I could say I'm one of the luckiest person in, oh, that I know in, in the world, having lived such an adventurous life and traveled extensively. And towards the end, met uh, a new doors opened to me. And I was introduced to spirit, spirit world and yeah. it wasn't planned at all. So you could say that, I, yeah, that's why I consider myself extremely privilege to have met with spirit 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 or into being introduced to a spiritual world and it's been almost 
20 years that I was, I've been involved closely, but my first introduction was in 1987 um, when I was invited to a spiritual seance and where I was introduced to a scholar who lived 980 to 1037, I believe, A.D., and his medical books were taught in Europe in medical schools. And he opened my door, and he's still one of my main guides. And we'll be exploring your journey and some of the messages in your book. But before that, which you can always bring the messages and anything that you want to speak about today into these warm-up questions I'll be asking you. The second one is life. What is life to you, Asi? As Avicenna puts it, Life um, is a journey for the soul. That was given to me at the beginning, and I completely agree with him now. And would you say that the soul and the spirit, they are one and the same, or somehow different? Yes, yeah. The same. What is the opposite of life? Is there an opposite to opposite of love, life? Yeah. What I... Know that we are all spirit ourselves, and we come into this world taking on different personalities in order to develop ourselves spiritually further. And then, when the time is up, we go back to our, to our energy world. When you say to develop our spirituality, our spiritual self further, what do you mean by that? Maybe I, it just occurred to me that I'll tell you a very short story. I, I went out, I live in the quite a busy area of London. I went mm-hmm. out to the high street about a year ago, and I saw two ladies walking towards me, and they co- they were covered with all black. Um, I don't know what it's called in, in Arabic or in their own languages. There were only little gaps for them to see through, and even their hands, they were, they were wearing gloves. Coming from a background where I question, always question everything, I shouted in my mind saying, what do you say for those? And I received an answer which said, for them to be like you, they'll have to come to this world a few more times. That was a short answer. I, I haven't been getting angry with such things anymore since. Another question I have for you is about choice. Do you think we have chosen to be here and to go through everything that we have been through or will go through still? Um, almost correct, in my view, because we do have choices, definitely. And I firmly believe that we even choose our parents, the time of the history, the place in the world to come into this world because each time we come, we choose our challenges to face and grow from and life will constantly will bring us challenges and um, we, we are always in the process of making choices. And each time we make a choice, we open a door, which will then open other doors. So in a way, we do have the choice to re-choose 
So it's not a set in stones. We can always uh, choose again. Except we are born into families mm-hmm. where we grow up with that family. It's a, a, another story. And when we are born, we do not have consciousness to the age of five, six. And we are brought up in an environment where all our experiences are emotional because we are completely reliant on people looking after us. If they feed us or if they clothe us, if they hug hug us, we have no, you know, if we, we can't even get angry with them. We can't open the door and leave because we are angry with them. First of all, we don't have the consciousness uh, for such a, a rational analysis of situations. We can't take conscious decisions. All we can do is try to survive with whatever the life throws to us. And that attempt, you know, we try to survive and we develop different life scenarios in order to survive. We try to protect ourselves and that life scenarios starts forming us who we are. So when life throws challenges, if certain, for example, if we are born into a family where we are not given a voice, if we are not given the voice to say no, let's say a very religious family, we grow up accepting everything the life throws to us. True. Or if we have a mother who loves us but keeps saying, oh, my stupid daughter, we accept it. She loves us. We are her stupid daughter until we start growing up and our consciousness develops. And then we start saying, hold on, why am I stupid? I think that life then opens up for facing challenges from then on. Yeah. And then up to us to make the choices to face those challenges. I don't think it makes sense. You're talking about consciousness in a very interesting way, that we are actually consciousness is to be conscious. So we can only have conscious or access to consciousness when we are conscious of something, aware of something. So that is interesting. And then you kind of, in a way, separated consciousness from emotions. In, in hypnotherapy or in science, we live in our daily lives only 10% of our consciousness because the remaining 90% is our subconscious. And when we are growing up, all our experiences are stored in the subconscious. And as a child, all, all our experiences are mostly um, emotional. They are, our subconscious is mostly emotional. So if, let me try to, um, I can't, hold on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The subconscious has several um, characteristics. First of all, subconscious tries to protect us. Subconscious, for example, oh, this is getting too technical if I want to go into that. Maybe I shouldn't because it's, uh, hypnotherapy is only part of what I do. Right. 
Yes, yeah, fair enough. Absolutely. I do have a question for you about hypnotherapy later on. Um, so talk to me for a moment, Ezzy, about what spirituality is, what is to be spiritual, and also the difference between spirituality and religion. Yeah, well, in England, spiritualism is accepted as a religion because it's a belief. For me, religion is um, man-made, and whereas I believe we are spirits, spiritualism has says that um, you know every religion has a book which tells you how you should lead your life. This is Bible or Quran or whatever. Spiritualism doesn't have a book, and all it says that your life is your responsibility, and I find it extremely close to my heart. So um, I don't accept spiritualism as a religion myself, but I find it very close to my heart. In your book, you say, I finally know where my home is. I mentioned this off record. Where is home, Nancy? Home is where we come from. Home is an energy world. I kind of hesitate to answer you here yeah. because I, I, it took me years or experiences to arrive where I am now. And the main part of it was that to accept that I'm a spirit. Right. Yeah. Like anybody else. And for years after meeting Avicenna, even when I was I started communicating with spirit, I still thought that, oh, we are human beings. We are born, live and die. And when I start having communications with spirit, I was assuming that they they knew everything and they could help me or help anybody else. They were all knowing. And for a long time, it was very convenient to have somebody to talk to because I was traveling extensively and mostly on my own. And I... We started communicating, and it came to a stage where I even started saying, is it going to rain? Shall I take my umbrella? Which was ridiculous. And then I came to a stage where I start. I needed to take major decisions relating to my life. For example, where to live, where to move, because at the time I was living in Hong Kong, or I was looking for possible other jobs. And then the, the information I started um, receiving started misleading me. First, I was extremely disappointed and upset. But it was only then I realized that what they were saying, you, it's your life. You make your own choices. Otherwise, we'll be living your life. Mm. And it was all such experiences. I had hard lessons. So, in fact, the spirit doesn't tell you what you need to know, what you want to know. They tell you what you need to know if and when you have a communication because it's your choice and it's your life. Would you say that home, it's everywhere? It's where the body is or everywhere? Oh, at present, yeah. yes. My home is in London in a little flat at the top of <laughs> the Victorian building. <laughs> Depends, you know, in this world, this where at the moment mine. But once, when I was 
I start doing, it's amazing how my life developed. For years, I've been told to do yoga. I've been told to do meditation. I kept saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I was living in Hong Kong, I finally started doing yoga and then I started meditation. And one day, it, I, I lived on an island and the teacher lived on the up on the hills and I was living by the sea. After the meditation session, I was walking back home and I, was, I had a partner. And on the way home, I thought of an argument we had and tears came to my eyes. And suddenly realized that I was like two people, like watching myself and saying, that is what sadness is. It was most incredible. By through meditation, I was, I started feeling my soul, my spirit. In this world, yeah, I mean, it's difficult to answer. When did that start for you, this communication with spirit? I've always been a very curious child, but... It was in 1987 that I was in, invited to a spiritual seance and a friend's father was communicating with spirit. I've never, ever witnessed that before. And the person he was communicating with was Avicenna. And a few years earlier, I had cancer operation. And Avicenna, in other name, is Ibn Sina, and there are even, I hear that there are even hospitals to his name, is a medical, was known to me as a medical person. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I started asking, why did I have cancer? What could I do not to have cancer? And so on. And took notes as, as he replied. And all his replies were related to energy, which was so foreign to me. I furiously took notes. And they only made sense years later. So because after I met him and I was traveling, I was curious. I started um, experimenting with uh, automatic writing. And soon after, I started writing words that I didn't know. And these words became sentences. And, you know... um, and soon after, I started hearing. So my hearing developed, and then I start. It was like I was sitting outside on the uh, wall. Whoever passed by talked to me. I didn't know who they were, but it was nice to have a companion <laughs> when I felt lonely or alone. And, yeah. What about trust? When did that come into play? When did you finally trusted your intuition in these spiritual communications? Um, In terms of communication, because I have one thing which is very close to my heart is trust life. Mm, When I talk to other people, occasionally I'll talk about that. But trusting intuition is um, in terms of communication. For me, one of the most important part of spirit communication, which I do at spiritual churches, is evidence. The the communicator has to give me, and everybody else, has to give such evidence. It's not like, oh, your grandmother is here and she was a good cook and so on. No, they have to give hard evidence like their names, surnames, their shared memories, how they passed in spirit, 
And also, only very few people has that gift or given that gift that the Spirit does portraits through me. And when I start my demonstration, I feel like an energy is walking to, to into my body. My hand is used. It takes only two, three minutes. A portrait appears, and I'm as curious as anybody else watching if that person appear, will appear on the papers, old, young, man, woman. And then energy will draw, and then I will work as a spiritual medium, which means that I may hear, see, feel them, or sense them, and I'll pass that information onto them. It is them to accept. There are people I've never met in my life, and they have to accept as the evidence, then I'm happy. I saw lots of them in your book. It's, I mean, it's just beautiful, the word that comes to me now. And then I know you mentioned that that is called, do they have a name for it? They call the psychic artists, but this is not what you are. No, so I, psychic medium and spiritual medium are two things, two different things for me. Psychic receive their information from our energy uh, energy field, which are mostly factual, where we live, our homes, our recent experiences, and so on. Spiritual mediumship is communicating with spirit. Some people may work like a psychic artist, but because I don't even see who I'm drawing, and it's the spirit who does the drawing. I'd rather say spiritual artist. Yeah, spiritual artist. I love that too. Wow. Yeah, I love that term. Do you do that also online, over the phone oh, or online? I do Skype. Um, yeah, I do. Um, before we started using Skype, we I used to talk to the person, put the phone down, do a drawing, and then call them again, and then post the drawing, um, because I need to get their energies. What is freedom to you, Etsy? What is to be free? What is to be free? Yeah. It needs to qualify lots of things. Free, free from what? Great answer. <laughs> Back. <laughs> yes, free from what? That's a great answer. Especially in our world, everything is material. Right. Absolutely love that answer. Yeah, free from what? So you wrote the book, Face to Face with Spirit, an architect's journey of discovery. How did you become a writer? And what was the inspiration and also intention of writing your book? Oh, yes. Um, When I was little, I once uh, attempted to keep a diary. I only did for two days. And when I wrote what I wrote, when I, when I read when I, what I wrote the next day, I, I only feel feeling embarrassed. It must have been quite emotional. I've never kept otherwise a diary in my life until I was introduced to the spiritual world. And when I came back to London, to the UK in year 2000, I was looking for a job and I find it difficult to find a job. I was overqualified as an international uh, architect and urban designer and fa- I found out about this spiritual church and 
I, I started going there. I, uh, most of the churches have two, um, one service in on Sundays and another evening during the week. So I started going there. I was amazed. The mediums seemed to be communicating with the loved ones of other people. And I was sitting there. I was introduced to a Portuguese woman who knew, who seemed to know people, the president, the secretary. And then she introduced me. And I I told them my interest. And I joined their development circle, which I attended for three and a half years every week. And I was so amazed with the experiences that I started taking notes. And at the time, I was staying with some friends while I was looking for a new flat. I kept saying, look, if something happens to me, somebody must publish those. These are amazing. So they were all in my computer. And because I started taking notes and I was having these conversations with my guides, I remember asking them, why am I taking this notes? Am I going to write a book? And they said, you have sufficient information to write a book, but you have to find your own voice. And eventually, in 2012 or 13, I received a message from my own late father through another medium. The message was, the book is in front of me, (laughs) but ages. So I was checking what the message was. Um, He said... There to be a Daniel, there to stand alone, there to have a truth, there to make it known. So it, apparently it was an Old Testament. But when I read it, I said, oh, the time has come. I must put it down. I, I put all the little pages of my diary all over the walls in my flat. Then I start saying, oh, this makes sense with this page. This makes sense. So I then structure that way, all visual, and then I start putting them together properly. Yeah, and I'm glad you did. Yeah, we needed to be reminded, some of us reminded of these messages. Some of us need evidence. So, yeah, thank you for that work, for sharing I, them. I think it's a book of evidences. Right. And Spirit calls it the honest book. Yeah, because yeah. as I was writing, I kept saying, how am I going to write? Nobody's going to believe me. Then I'll yeah. say, well, am I going to lie? So that's how it became a book. So when it comes to spiritual gifts, as the, do we all have spiritual gifts? And if we do, how do we learn to discover and develop them? I think we have lots of gifts. As far as I know, we are not all chosen to work with our gifts. But when I started going to my development circles, we were usually about 10 people. And out of that group, it's called closed circles. We all work with with each other's energies. And out of that little circle, only three of us are now working um, on platform or at the colleges and so on. So we can all develop spiritually. We can all develop our awareness, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we will, you know, be the voice for other people. You write that communication with loved ones in spirit is sometimes the only healing a person needs. 
I believe that too. Talk to me for a moment about what healing is and also your experience with what you call miracle healing. Well, for me, is um, healing is a kind of support system. It could be for physical body, but also it could heal. We could heal people emotionally or spiritually. I have quite a few stories in my book where it is demonstrated. I haven't chosen one. Any, I haven't chosen a story because they're all under different titles. Like he, well. There is one in front of me, which I could uh, quickly mention. Yes, absolutely. I was invited to a friend's house where she invited her other friends. So it was like a private sitting. And um, I've done several drawings, portraits for some of them because they were all fascinated. As I said, not very many people do portraits. And I did one, as soon as I started drawing it, one of the ladies said, oh, I know who that is. And I said, okay, I will pass on whatever this gentleman says. And he made me feel that towards the end of his life, he put lots of weight on, so much so that as soon as he entered a car and sat in it, the car will kind of uh, sink a little and the woman smiled. And I, I had given a few other, um, ev- you know, the further ev- evidence, and she all accepted them, except one. And she, because she used to apparently visit him every Saturday and take him for shopping. And he was on some medication, which was cortisol, I think. Therefore, he put lots of weight on. And the last week... She was so busy, she couldn't visit him. And that was the weekend he died. And what he said was, I was taken by the loved ones. So I said, could it be that um, he was taken to the hospital by loved ones? That's what he's saying. She said, no, no, no. However, I tried to explain, because after all, I only hear a sentence or I'm giving an image or a scene. And I try to make sense of it. And she said, no, 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 no. She didn't accept that. And so we finished. She took the drawing. But at the end of the evening, she came with tears to her eyes. And she said, I owe you an apology. And I thank you so much. Because what he was saying that I was taken into spiritual world with the loved ones in spirit. He she, well, kind, he kind of healed her, her guilty feelings of not visiting her father and not being with him when he passed into spirit. So that that's one little example. And there are so many. I know you mentioned so many, and so many people I talk to themselves, yeah, they have experienced the power of the spiritual healing. To me, it's. There's no need for evidence because I'm so much, I trust that. I think one of the most important thing, at least for me, was that to realize that the death is not the end of our lives. Once you know that the life continues, then you start questioning your own life. Why am I here? Mm-hmm. Why all are here? Right. So the material world becomes less important. Right. 
I think that's the biggest healing for everybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Evidence. And that's a deep one. You mentioned that towards the end of your book, you say, I believe that life always continues to offer us other opportunities, even when and if we keep repeating our mistakes. We are always guided and supported by our, our loved ones in spirit, whether we are aware of their still being alive or not. They allow us to repeat our mistakes because they respect our choices, as you mentioned earlier. Exactly. Life exactly. after life. Exactly. Yeah, that's a powerful um, understanding, deep understanding of what life is about. I love the way you said that, Jihan. By uh, when we begin to question, that's when that means we are becoming aware, conscious of the spiritual world or home. It has been my case when I was really young. I don't remember six, seven years old. I remember looking in the mirror and say, wow, you're back here in a female body. How lovely. So I do have a few more questions for you. The ending questions. Would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? Another passage. For the ending, I put a composite of few ideas that I, I include in my book. I could I could read it. Yes, please. Because I think it's really, really important. Because I said that I feel strongly that there's an evidential essential link that scientific and medical communities are missing in their inquiries, which if recognized will help them not only not only help them but also all of us to bring meaning into our lives. I said that the digital technology has made it easier to communicate worldwide. And as a result, more and more new views and research findings in science and medical world are being widely circulated and publicized. But so far, they seem to be confined to their individual fields and not able to connect with a bigger picture. Instead, these theories are turned into practical tools and promoted as self-development. It makes me sad to see that because I know that however simple our lives appear to us, they are so intricately woven that they provide us with rich life lessons only if we are willing to open our minds and our hearts. And I wish that my book brings people the missing link with the all, all the evidences they may need. Yes. And thank you. Thank you for that, for sharing that. I have actually one question for you. The final question, Nancy. What are three things about life for this reality you wish everyone would know before they lose the body? One is life is eternal. Second is really is um, all we need is love. And this is also when we communicate. I can't tell you how many times the spirit will come with apologies. And it seems that when they go into their spiritual energy world, they all realize the roles they play in this world. Because we all take roles to play. And it's not only for each, for ourselves, for each other. We come to this world as a community. And when I started learning 
or developing my spiritual mediumship, I once visited my um, mother and she was in mourning after my father's passing. And I remember sitting there saying, you can't even, you're not a good artist. Because she, she, of course, she wasn't acting. She was genuinely was sad, but it was a role she was playing. Yeah. So you just start looking at your own world quite differently. It's just, yeah, I, I, did you say so, love? And whenever they come from spiritual world, all they bring, want to bring is love uh, to support us. I think healing is love. I, there is a, I, um, somewhere, the um, Avicenna said, he said, um, loss of health is not a punishment. It simply is a cry for help for the energies that should have been supported, supporting your body but are spent on something else. Therefore, your body is suffering. You need to reclaim your energies back. When there is a that, with that, a light is switched on, not off. That is not a mystery. It's a door into the light. That's interesting that you found that passage and you read it because I have it here too. Under That caught my attention. 17 healing children. That's under that. So thank you so much, um, Ezzy, for sharing your spirit or the spiritual world with us. Thank you for your wisdom, your patience, your love. Thank you. Oh, I'm, I'm so privileged to have this talk with you. I hope I didn't jump from one thing to another. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Um, very nice meeting you. And thank you. Thank you. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Um, I have a website, which is www.artofspirit.co.uk. And if anybody wants to receive my newsletter, they could put their address at the end of the homepage, the main page. And I have most of the portraits I've done, along with the photographs recipients sent me, included on my website. I think there are about 70 or something around that um, number. And all are given to me by um, copyrights. And um, and I put lots of small you know, um, stories from my life. And all the other information is there. I don't think you need my architectural website, but it is there as well if you want to see where I, what I've done. Yes. Yeah, I'll have your website link on your podcast profile too. Thank you so much again, Ezzy, and we'll talk soon. I hope so. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Essie Cake Majiglu and her work, please visit essie-idc.uk. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. 
Thank you again for listening and bye for now.